In the latest episode of Vamos Verde, we are going to talk to one of the most prolific goal scorers in Major League Soccer history, Austin FC striker Giassi Zardes. We also talked to some folks who have been bringing the soundtrack to Austin's nightlife for over 20 years and are now providing the soundtrack at Q2 Stadium, their official DJ collective, Peligrosa. That's the latest episode of Vamos Verde. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hey there. You're listening to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that formed and transformed them. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and in this episode of This Song, we'll be hearing from Matthew Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, of the British rock band The Wombats, but... Before we get started, I want to ask that if you like this episode, then please take a minute to go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Ratings and reviews help us a ton. They help people find us and they make everyone on Team This Song feel really good. So thanks in advance. And now to Murph. He is the lead vocalist and guitar player for the British band The Wombats, and they've been releasing music since the early 2000s. Earlier this year, they released their fourth full-length album, Beautiful People Will Ruin Your Life. It's full of catchy power pop songs that deal with love and like catharsis and trying to figure out what it means to be an adult. And the band came through our hometown of Austin, Texas, to play the Austin City Limits Music Festival back in October. And I got to talk to Murph backstage in the KUTX tent. KUTX is the radio station in Austin, Texas, where we make this podcast. And Murph told me about a couple of songs he heard as a teenager that totally changed his musical trajectory. And just for your information, there is a little language in this episode. So if you have kids around, well, I just want to let you know that. I used to kind of have a horrific taste in music. And I'd say the two songs that really shifted that was Radiohead Creep and um, Say It Ain't So, both of which I listened to at a New Year's Eve party when I was like 13 or something and then it, that was it. It was all kind of alty, rocky world for me then. I mean, I, I was in like a, an attic in a friend's house, getting drunk, playing pool, and smoking cafe creme cigars, like c- cigar, cigarillo things. Yeah. And I just thought it was really cool, and kept listening to it on repeat, as though it was kind of talking to me or something. I'm really interested in uh, your taste in music before you heard these songs. What was what oh were you listening to? Oh my god! To? Um, like um, happy hardcore compilations. Like re- it was really bad. We may have like a cultural gulf here. I have no idea what you mean uh, when you say happy hardcore. It's like um, pitched up vocals with, and it's really fast, 
And it's what kind of in the UK, there was a club called Kinetic and a club called Helter Skelter. And it's where all the kids would go and take ecstasy and just go nuts. So is it like EDM essentially? Yeah, it's like, but it's not even, I mean, it makes chain smokers, you know, look like John Lennon. So you're 13, you're at a New Year's Eve party, and someone just randomly put on Say It Ain't So by Weezer? Yeah. And Radiohead's Creep? Yeah. So what was it about those songs that made you want to listen to them over and over again? I don't know. I guess this, the sentiment, probably. I don't know. There was something about them that, you know, actually resonated with me as a person rather than just, you know, was catchy and made me want to dance. Yeah. I kind of became addicted to that world. But I'm a creep. I was thinking about Say It Ain't So when I was thinking about this interview. So I'm a child of the 90s, I'm 41. So yeah. Say It like, I loved that song and only like last year understood what that song was about. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I truly understand what that song is about I th- anyway. I think it's about a rela- some kind of relationship to alcohol. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, like some kind of complicated relationship to alcohol. Th- that would make sense with the bridge, yeah. Yeah. One of the other reasons why we picked it was because we just finished the US tour with Weezer a few months ago and it was like literally a dream come true to be able to see them perform that song every night. And you, yeah, it, was it was Weezer crazy. and the Pixies, right? Yeah. That's kind of an amazing tour. Where Is My Mind is another similar song or that, you know, Surfer Rosa, that whole album. Describe what it was like seeing Weezer play these songs all the time. Did you ever get to meet them and hang out with them? No, we hung out with the Pixies a lot. I think we got really friendly with them they're amazing but we were a bit more aloof rivers was always kind of coming in late weirdly he sent me an email like just saying you know sorry we didn't get to hang or whatever so i think we might go and play golf when i get back to la yeah so we didn't really get to meet them but the on stage like the, the show i mean they're just such a intriguing and he's just the, they're just such a weird band aren't they there's no kind of angst going on you know with the on-stage antics, but there is in the music. It's kind of, it's an interesting dichotomy. So I, I guess I have really haven't seen Weezer play live. So do they just kind of like stand there and play their instruments, but then like put out a thing? Well, the guitarist stands there playing. He kind of looks pretty. The drummer does his thing. He's a bit ridiculous. Um, the bass player does his thing, but then Rivers comes on in like a very preppy outfit. And then he was like, having stagehands like rip that outfit off and then he'd have the f- the football or baseball jersey of whatever town he was in <laughs> underneath <laughs> like every different town he had a different yeah yeah and then jersey? he'd like get a scooter and like ride it around the um 
the arena and like then go and like sing Wonderwall or Toto. crowd like way up it was very like it's very silly yeah but then like the, you know what say it it's you know that the blue album and what that means to me does not have anything to do with kind of how it's performed on stage or whatever yeah um, but it's still amazing do you think you learned anything from watching those guys play every night about about performing live I mean his voice was so good each night I, I, I guess I kind of learned lots of boring technical stuff but when us three are on stage it's um, you know I don't think we're maybe the m most natural stage people it's like everything we do is just born out of fear and anxiety so we just fucking run around the stage like maniacs <laughs> um, whereas you know maybe having watched them and watched Pixie it's like okay I am me I can settle into this space and like do that like just being more comfortable with yeah. just being just stand, who you are. Like, I'll just stand and sing the songs. Because that's that? what we're doing. Yeah. You don't have to rip my clothes <laughs> off and put me yeah. on a scooter. Yeah, exactly. But I, but I could do that. If, I would but. like to do Well, the, the stage today is Metallica. have got this perfect ego ramp. So if I can find a scooter, maybe I'll just do that. There's too many scooters around here. Yeah. Too many douchey scooters. I'm sure you could find a scooter. <laughs> um, so when you started, but at 13, were you writing your own music? Were you considering yeah. music? Yeah. It's writing terrible stuff but yeah were you writing happy hardcore songs no 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 um yeah about 14 i probably started writing songs i suppose um, i was in lots of covers bands did you cover weezer yeah ah right on so <laughs> <laughs> at what point did you decide you wanted to write your own music um i don't i i think i was more in love with the idea of being in a band than i was with kind of composing great songs i guess the point that I really realized that I wanted to do it was when people started, you know, giving me positive reinforcement about the songs that I'd written. And then I was like, oh, actually, maybe I can do this. Maybe I'm all right. And then kind of took that from there. I've met someone that makes me feel seasick. Oh, what a skill to have. Oh, what a skill to have so many skills that make her distinctive. But they're not mine to have. No, they're not mine. Whenever she looks, I read the nearest. So really you started out just wanting to like, it doesn't matter what I play. Pretty much, I yeah. Just I just wanted to perform. emulate Johnny Greenwood and Tom York for a long period of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did a music degree in an arts college in um, Liverpool. <laughs> um, uh, it was like Paul McCartney's old school, which was about to be torn down and he threw a load of money at it and turned it into this great kind of arts program. So I did a BA in music there and um, yeah, there was one teacher who was a pretty successful writer and he just, you know, showed me a lot of love from the word go and kind of gave me the encouragement to persist with it. Uh, Paul McCartney headlined this festival, obviously. There was a huge deal for Austin. And you went to Paul McCartney's school and he actually gave you, like, some songwriting advice or, like, you had interactions with him. Yeah, I met him a few times. Yeah. yeah. So um, what's the coolest thing Paul McCartney ever taught you? Um, even at like 
when I was like 23, I was like, I don't, you know, I'd say I get these fears that I'm never going to be able to write another song again. Or and he was like, you know, never think that you've shot your bolt. It's just, you know, nonsense in your head and all writers kind of get it. And um, yeah, we just sat in a room for an hour and a half just talking shit, really. It was amazing. You talked songwriting with Paul McCartney. Yeah. But, yeah, it was wow. so cool. Yeah, so this new record that you guys are doing, it sounds like you kind of return to guitar songs or like less synth-driven stuff. A little bit, yeah. The first yeah. album was, you know, um, I describe it as like a Yorkshire Terrier trying to rip your face off. It's just scrappy, all recorded live. You know, it was successful for us in the UK and Europe and then there was this lo tons of pressure on the second album from our label and then um, I think we just got kind of bored of you know, writing on guitar, so that's where all the synths came in. And then the third album, we didn't really think about a direction, so the third album was kind of like just taking the second album a bit a bit more. And then on this one, I was like, well, what do we do now? I don't think we're going to do a, you know, a, a jam band album or a banjo album. So I was just like, I want to do something that is very organic and doesn't rely on production wizardry, where it's all kind of tastefully done, something that I could listen to in 10 years' time. I think one of the reasons this album seems to be connecting with people a lot more is because I didn't overthink it I wasn't like shit what's gonna what's is this gonna be a hit or whatever it was just like there's just 11 songs and ironically they are probably better radio songs than some of the ones in the past without you really trying to make yeah. them so yeah, yeah. I question you tend to give in and you don't give up To a knife fight from the Wombat's new record, Beautiful People Will Ruin Your Life. They actually did a very cool stripped down version of this song for KTX. We do these pop up sessions backstage at ACL Fest, and you can find a video of that on the show notes page for this episode at ktx.org, along with a link to their new record so you can like, get into the Wombats. And as always, you'll be able to find a Spotify playlist on the show notes page so you can listen to all the songs we referenced in this episode all the way through. And that's it. You've come to the end of another episode of This Song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced by me, Elizabeth McQueen, and the interview was edited by Nadia Hamdan. She is such a good editor. Thanks to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And it is true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own hard group. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. <laughs>